Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Welcome back to the Addiction Connection. We are on our eighth drug that is prescribed in a normal clinic day that unfortunately can be misused. There you go. And it's our 54th Addiction Connection episode, not including all the COVID extra stuff. We got going on these drugs and now we can't stop. But I do want to say one thing. There, were, there was a, <laughs> That's what they all say. <laughs> we got going on these drugs and we can't stop. Th- there apparently was a rumor that, I, that I'm a horse lover. You've already said this. I know, but I want to redo it and just make sure that I don't mind horses, but I don't ride horses. Okay. So. Anyway, so we're going to talk about olanzapine today, a.k.a. Zyprexa, which is kind of an odd drug for us to, to bring up it, on face value, I should, should say, and it's another second-generation antipsychotic similar to cotiapine, a.k.a. Seroquel, that we did a few weeks ago. But, you know, it's used a lot, especially in our new world and corrections. Um, you, you know and the- I had never, I don't know if I'd ever really prescribed it in clinical world, but, yeah, I see it a ton now. You know, uh, Seroquel or we got to go generic, I guess. Quetiapine. You know, one of the other names for it, I did not see this before, was squirrel. Squirrel? <laughs> yeah. I so, came across that. That's a slang name for it, squirrel. So Diana, our good nursing director, friend at one of my favorite jails, Sherbert, and I have to do a Charlotte then because she has a squirrel obsession. Yeah. Well, squirrel is slang anyway. for Seroquel. So anyway, but, I hope she hears this. No. <laughs> so yeah, this was a drug that um, I guess I was a little surprised people would use, and and it sounds like quetiapine is actually the stuff that I saw is actually used, uh, misused more. Actually, looks like Doctor Heather has a problem with her mic. You got my thing all dirty. I think you'll live. <laughs> so this was approved by the FDA in 1996, but and, patented in 1971. In 2017, again, this is one of those things that sounds like it's not that popular. 239th most prescribed med in the U.S. with more than 2 million scripts. But I wonder how many actual prescription drugs there were in 2017. So then it maybe it looks a little more impressive. It would look more impressive. But an antipsychotic to be that high seems still high. Yeah, except it's used for Other a lot things. more things, which we'll talk about. So... How does it work? Oh, man, this is like speaking another language. This is stuff I'm trying to forget at my age. It in, it's a, The mechanism of action, of action is uh, it actually antagonism, antagonized multiple neuronal receptors. Yeah. I don't even know if I I'm, want to go further. You know, <laughs> okay, we're going to apologize right now because we are actually taping this on the day that it is going to be released, and it's usually done in the evening, and this is the morning, and you're probably only on your third Diet Mountain Dew. And last. And I'm only on my second coffee. Shout out to Zoomski's back open in Little Falls. But anyway, so it acts on 
dopamine receptors in the brain, serotonin receptors, alpha-1 adrenergic receptors, histamine receptors, and multiple muscarinic receptors. Easy for you to say. So I didn't list them all because there's a lot of HTs and Ds and Hs in there. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of a lot of different targets there, but that antagonistic effect towards the dopamine D2 receptors in mesolimbic pathways is the key. Because it blocks that dopamine from having the potential action at that postsynaptic receptor. That's called the 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 baton. No, the baton. That postsynaptic receptor. The space between the... Anyway, You're speaking French now? Baton. Baton. Um, Anyway, (laughs) uh, it's easily dissociable, however... From the receptor, so yes. it comes off easily. And allows for a certain degree of dopamine neurotransition, so neurotransmission. Still does occur. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know how that affects really anything, especially abuse, but, you know, now y'all know. So the action in the serotonin 5-HT2A, duh, in the frontal cortex allows for the decrease in adverse effects. So this is one of the reasons why the second-generation antipsychotics kind of were made and marketed is because they have fewer of those action pyramidal effects, the negative effects, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. So it is novel. <laughs> it's a novel. <laughs> it's a novel, atypical. Yeah. With broad efficacy and interesting elicits a response in both kind of those positive and negative symptoms in schizophrenia. Actually, we just had to talk about that. Um, but it can be either IM or oral. Uh, there are some different issues with each of them, but. We can talk about that later. So it's metabolism, half-life, 33 hours, anywhere between 21 and 54, depending on who you are. Most metabolized by the P450 system, which is why it can vary depending on people, because now we know all these silly genes. It's interesting. I thought that 90% of it's albumin-bound. So imagine you're giving it to people with really low albumins. You know, Those people that come in, alcohol, drugs, not eating, no protein. Let's change it a little bit. Just a bit. What else changes it is smokers and men clear it faster than women. Men are more efficient at getting rid of it. <laughs> they got to be more efficient at something. Might as well be at eliminating olanzapine from their system. So, you know, we talked about this at some point when we were talking about nicotine is that when people on antipsychotic medications, obviously most patients with schizophrenia do smoke. I think it's greater than 90%. So when they quit smoking, you actually have to lower their doses of their medication because they stop clearing it as quickly. So you have to give really low doses to non-smokers and elderly women. Well, yeah. And I, I read this article at the bottom. It was like, Oh, the key point. It's like, if you got a little old lady who's very old and she doesn't smoke, go low. Because that's the lady who's just going to pile it up. Although you really probably shouldn't be giving this to that little old lady regardless. Well, if she has the issue, then give her a little. So, it's FDA approval it's for schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, disorder, and uh, adults and kids greater than 13. Mm-hmm. So, contraindications, black box. So, do not give this to older adults with dementia-related psychosis. It increases the mortality in them. So don't do it. No, most deaths are cardiovascular related or infection in this population. Yeah, most often pneumonia, actually. Well, and it's interesting because if you do new nursing homework, which thank goodness I don't necessarily have to do anymore, but 
if you have an elderly person in a nursing home on an antipsychotic, like you get flagged monthly that you have to sign, yes, I know I have this medication that's high risk in this population. So if I end up in the nursing home, are you going to come visit? <laughs> Never mind. With my my injection <laughs> yeah, of Just give me a shot everything. every month. Okay. I think I'd go more Haldol, though, just to get more side effects. <laughs> the black spot. <laughs> There's one other black box. You're welcome. Yeah, great. There's another black box warning that can occur. And, and it's interesting that with the injection, uh, there's a lot of stuff written about this post-injection delirium and sedation. Um, and one of the things that they talk about is giving this, uh, if you're doing the injections, that you're doing it at a place uh, which has uh, some medical backup because this can occur. I've never even heard of that until no. I read through all this stuff. This is why we're doing all these drugs. Mm, off-label uses, Dr. Bell. <laughs> So often, um, and now this is interesting because we just said that you should only approve for kids greater than 13, but if you use it together with fluoxetine, it can, it is being used off label to treat depression in adults and kids, um, especially those with bipolar, the, the depression side of this. But I, one thing I need to say about this, because I think this is where I'm seeing it the most is combined with fluoxetine and olanzapine. You have to document that you are using it off-label if you are prescribing these medications. Yeah, I think it's important to always put that when you're using any drug off-label. I think one of the problems has been often we don't know it's off-label. Everybody uses it right. for these particular things, but technically you got to put that in there. And I think technically, even more importantly than putting it in the chart, you have to let the patient know that you're using it off-label. Correct. Or if something bad happened, you'd be in big, big trouble. It's also off-label for dementia and elderly and for ADHD. I I couldn't believe how much stuff there was for ADHD. And off-label for anxiety, eating disorder. So this is one of those meds they're looking at to help treat uh, anorexia, um, insomnia, 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 panic disorder, PTSD. There is some use in substance use disorders. Yeah, I came, around, I came across a lot of that. It's kind of great. Some of them said works well some said don't and then Tourette's <laughs> which it, it, to me it seems very counterintuitive yeah because Tourette's you know it, it just, I've only seen one case my whole career let's not reenact that because it probably isn't appropriate on nope. our podcast no but interestingly I one of the things I came across is that Lily um, was actually accused by uh, some groups of of spending a lot of time in primary care offices encouraging primary care doctors to use this off-label. And, of course, they denied it. But uh, that is one of the things that, you know, there was a lot more money in using it if you're treating anxiety because there's a lot more anxiety than psychosis. So, yeah, interesting little tidbit. So. A lot of side effects. A lot of side effects. I won't go as fast this time because, you know. Yeah, this is like the commercial. Uh, I think the thing that we all see most is the weight gain, mm -hmm. and the, and the, then the sugars are up, and then you get heart disease and hyperlipidemia. It's just this whole snowball of metabolic syndrome. Yeah, you know what I found very interesting is that there's more weight gain in teenagers than there even is in the adult population. So I've seen that. That's yeah, and I then mean, enormous amount of weight. Headaches, dizziness, drowsiness. Of course, this is how it's used off label is for the drowsiness. I'm not liking the gynecomastia thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, and erectile dysfunction, you like that one? <laughs> no, no, but 
I can't even imagine how that works. But uh, again, then, one of the things with it is it's got lower incidence of extrapyramidal symptoms than, again, some of the other antipsychotics. Um, I think one more thing to mention is because it has that anticholinergic effects, you're going to have the anticholinergic side effects, dry mouth, constipation, all those things. Changes in personality, man, we should give you some. <laughs> Jeez. Neuroleptic syndrome, orthostatic hypotension, i.e. falls in elderly. Yeah. So talk about the rare but serious I've side effects. Fallen and I can't get up. Um, That's why rare, you have your lifeline button yeah, on, right? I'll quick push it. Um, always the side of the sound effects. So the rare but serious side effects. I think obviously uh, tardite dyskinesia. You know, don't like that. Uh, anaphylaxis. I never. You know, I've seen a lot of people on Zyprexa. Never seen that. Uh, seizures. Obviously, this uncontrolled muscle movements. That chewing. That lip smacking, all that stuff. But again, I think one of the interesting things is the the blood count issues. Yeah, so you can get this, um, yeah, the low white count. You have to follow this up. Um, So then you can get almost like a B-cell syndrome, like people who are having acute uh, leukemia crisis. So you'll have fever, chills, mouth sore, skin sore, sore throat, cough, trouble breathing, and feeling lightheaded, just to name a few. And sometimes it gets the old liver. It would, I mean, that makes sense, mm-hmm. but, um, so different interactions, you want to avoid being overheated and dehydrated because then you're going to get obviously more of these side effects. Um, Tegretol, I didn't know that one. Yep. And then smoking, like we kind of already mentioned, decreases the levels of olanzapine because they speed up the metabolism. But interestingly. Yeah. No significant metabolic interactions with the phloxetine, which again, used with it a lot. Lithium, imipramine, diazepam, and alcohol. Although it's interesting because uh, I was on Arrowhead, and they were, the guy was talking about the different effects with different things, and and he said that he didn't notice a thing when he took alcohol with with this. There was absolutely no. Again, another weird thing no is boost. they're both you know downers, but then some of the reasons people like it are the opposite. But pregnancy. So if you take this medication in the last three months, so the third trimester of pregnancy can cause breathing problems in the neonate infant, feeding problems and withdrawal. It can pass into the breast milk. So I I guess I didn't see anything specifically, but I'd really want to caution that because if there's different metabolic breakdown in the P450 system, who knows what that would do in the infant and their breakdown, you'd you know, potentially get horrible side effects from that. Yeah, I actually came across a bunch of stuff about uh, pregnancy and the effect on the baby um, afterwards. There you go. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Overdose um, symptoms. Man, you know, it's interesting because the when you look at the dosing on that and when you look at people that are abusing it, and we'll talk about this in a minute, people were taking, some people were taking this 100 milligrams at a shot. Um and I, that's a lot, but they, they were using it to get that drowsiness and confusion and kind of that high. But those are kind of the common things, that drowsiness, the agitation, confusion, kind of tachycardic, maybe a little jerky. And I don't mean beef jerky, like your jerky and uncontrolled muscle movements. Maybe a little trouble breathing. So basically the side effects heightened. Yeah. So what about withdrawal? Now, this is interesting, and I want to make a comment before we move on after withdrawal about this, but... The basic withdrawal, you can get this oculogenic crisis, which is rare, super rare, acute dystonic disorder. So again, kind of related to these muscle movements, but very specific to the eyes. 
it can occur frequently. So withdrawal to, to, you know, hit that home again, it can occur frequently, especially after abrupt discontinuation of these, which again, this is what I wanted to say at the end, but I'm going to say it now because it Uh-oh. fits. So if you're starting a patient and you are, cannot perfectly ensure good follow-up, this is something you have to think about. Well, and, and to be clear in that, in that article, um, it also talked a little bit about discontinuation or sudden drops. Like when people are tapering, they're tapering too fast. And there's actually um, some written about how slow or fast to taper. So something that you should look up if you have concerns. Yeah, I would just think, again, I'm going back to the jail because a lot of people are on it. They get out of jail. What if you can't? I mean, the follow-up percenting is, isn't very good. I mean... It's just as important as follow-up with other medications. Oh, really. like buprenorphine? Oh, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say that. Well, I did. So withdrawal, symptoms, insomnia, suicidal ideation. So that's that's obviously not ideal. Sweating, decreased appetite. And then you can actually get this thing called discontinuation syndrome. Yeah. Like, oh, get, they have to name everything with a syndrome. Yeah. They should go, we have to hook our name to one of these things. Not My this. name. Okay. Not this, uh, but they get uh, motor kind of this motor acute dystonia. They get dyskinesia, again tardive dyskinesia, and all kinds of neuroregenerative degenerative things like regenerative. Man, can I say that? No, I didn't. But a lot of things like nausea, insomnia, and anxiety. All the things you you were treating with it when you stop it, they come back, or worse. Or worse, so let's kind of switch into the abuse because this happens. The only street name, anything I could find was they call it Lily. I didn't didn't find one thing. I searched and searched. That's the only thing I could find. So, Lily. I would call it like... Which is interesting because you're going back to like who made it. I'd probably call it like Dr. O. Or O's. O's. Like Cheerios. Cheerios. I was just going to say. I don't know. The but, honey nut ones? No. no. <laughs> uh, but it's mostly abused orally. I couldn't find anything where anybody did anything else with it. I, we, we know it's happened, but uh, I couldn't find anything. Yeah, there was one case report that I found that they, they talked about. The person that had the case report done said they know of people who've used it IV, so I don't really, I mean, that's all I could find. But So historically, anticholinergic agents have been abused for over 50 years, not necessarily this one, but psychiatric patients historically, ever since they started using, you know, the first generation, now second generation antipsychotics will often try to increase their own dosing for the hallucinogenic effects. Um, and uh, coming up, you'll see in this case I'll talk about is they kind of start to have a little more insight and can kind of lie about some of their effects to get a higher dose. So yeah, I came across this pretty cool study and I'm trying to see it in here, but it was uh, kind of a, the non-medical use of olanzapine uh, and, and it was actually done on, the survey was done on patients in a methadone clinic. Yeah, and this was, I'm just looking ahead for you, James et al. in 2016. Mm. But they took 92 patients, and a third of these people had used it, had played around with uh, olanzapine. And uh, they had three people taking over 100 milligrams a day. It's crazy. And, and you know, they a lot of times they were using it just for the anxiety and the sleep, but about a quarter of the patients who were using it not as directed, uh, we're using it to get, quote, stoned, unquote. There you go. That's what it said, quote. Okay, hmm. well, yeah, more abuse, second-generation antipsychotics will often mix it with cocaine um, to kind of get this euphoria, this hallucinogenic effect, and then 
with opiates, benzos to get the calming sedative effects. Hmm. There you go. So in corrections, two case reports, one patient was being treated for depression and psychosis. He, again, made up doses and increased doses or cheeked them and then took them all at once to get that euphoric effect. Again, kind of that opposite of what you'd think, but would get euphoric. And then a second patient uh, getting the medication for bipolar um, got more by complaining of worsening manic symptoms. So they'd increase his dose and he said he felt a buzz, very relaxed. Um, and then when he got out or if he could get cocaine on the inside, it blunted some of the heightened, I took too much cocaine, like that anxious feeling from cocaine, it helped bring it down. So almost like a new kind of speedball. Kind of a happy calm. Right. And it does talk about how a lot of people are using it just to kind of get that drunk feeling, if you will, uh, in a way almost like uh, gabapentin. Which is, it's interesting because they said, oh, you're drunk without the bad effects of alcohol. And I'm thinking, but these side effects are kind of worse. You just don't necessarily yeah. have that hangover unless you're doing the discontinuation Kurt syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, divine syndrome. That sounds cool. Um so, so man, I looked around just to see, uh, you know, if I found anything on Arrowwood or any of those things. There wasn't a lot. Uh, the only one that I found that was really interesting was there was a guy who talked about smoking marijuana and taking a lanzapine and uh, how it uh, really charged up his high. It made it almost like he'd never smoked marijuana before. So, it again, I think most often a lanzapine is actually used by itself, uh, but people do mix it with other things. And... Uh, Again, a lot of times they might cheek them to take a bunch at a time, right? Which I and think is probably the most common way to divert it, huh? Mm-hmm. But what you know, I was just thinking while you were saying that it's interesting because when we talked about Seroquel or Quetiapine in jails or the effects of it, people were wanting to get it and abuse it because of the sedating effects. Now this is also a second generation antipsychotic, but they're wanting to get it for the hallucinogenic effects. Yeah. So what Very are the interesting. what are the takeaway points here, Doctor Bell? Wrap it up. Wrap it up. I think you got to be aware that it is abuse. You got to be aware of the side effects. You got to be aware of the discontinuation syndrome, especially if you're starting in a population that necessarily won't follow up or a patient that you're a little worried about. And remember the off-label use needs to be documented and told to the patients. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to use it for those types of things, you know, make sure that that's clear. So I think that's it. I think it's battle legs time. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening. We will talk with you next week. And are we doing modafinil? We've been talking about modafinil. I think it's really interesting stuff. All right. Later.
all play on the golf course and drink their martinis dry and they all have pretty children and the children go to school and the children go to summer camp and then to the university where they are put in boxes and they all come out the same Now they all live on the hillside And they all look just the same 